We welcome you to the Tabernacle Podcast, brought to you by the Tabernacle Baptist Church in Hickory, North Carolina. If you'd like to learn more about Tabernacle, you can visit our website, tabernaclebaptistchurch.com. You can find other sermons like this one on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and Sermon Audio. It is our prayer that God has used this message to be an encouragement to your heart. We're in 1 Chronicles 29 this morning, 1 Chronicles 29, and uh, it's hard to believe, but we've come to the final chapter in the life of David, and what a journey it has been. Uh, we have gone through First and Second Samuel. We looked just briefly into the beginning of First Kings at the events surrounding the death of the king. And then we came to 1 Chronicles chapter 23 and have gone through chapter 23 now. We concluded chapter 29 uh, with the final, uh, the final chapter of David's life and the concentration on David's preparation for the house of the Lord and that he prepared abundantly for the construction of God's house. As we come to 1 Chronicles 29, we see two predominant themes taking place here. Uh, there is David's uh, admonition to the people that they, uh, that they participate in an offering, that they give for the construction of the temple. That was something that God put in David's heart to build the house of the Lord. But David did not have the opportunity to do so. And so the Lord told David that Solomon, his son, would build it. And so David, in the closing years of his life, prepared abundantly, as we noted in chapter 23, he prepared abundantly for the construction of God's house. And then we see in chapter 29, not only do we see the theme of the construction of the temple, but the coronation of the king, the king being Solomon. And so the events that we will read in these 30 verses in 1 Chronicles 29 uh, really cover a two-day celebration, a two-day gathering of the nation of Israel. All of the people were to assemble, and uh, they were to celebrate uh, the coronation of the new king and dedicate themselves to the construction of the house of the Lord. And so we're going to read these verses, and I want to invite you to read along with me in your heart as we read them. And let's ask God by His Spirit to speak to us this morning. Beginning in verse 1, the Bible says, Furthermore, David the king said unto all the congregation, Solomon my son, whom alone God hath chosen, is yet young and tender, and the work is great, for the palace is not for man, but for the Lord God. Now I have prepared with all my might for the house of my God, the gold for things to be made of gold, and the silver for things of silver, and the brass for things of brass, and the iron for things of iron, and wood for things of wood, onyx stones and stones to be set, glistering stones, and of divers colors, and all manner of precious stones and marble stones in abundance." Moreover, because I have set my affection to the house of my God, I have of my own proper good of gold and of silver, which I have given to the house of my God over and above all that I have prepared for the holy house. 
even 3,000 talents of gold, of the gold of Ophir, and 7,000 talents of refined silver to overlay the walls of the houses withal. The gold for things of gold and the silver for things of silver, and for all manner of work to be made by the hand of artificers. And who then is willing to consecrate his service this day unto the Lord? Then the chief of the fathers and the princes of the tribes of Israel and the captains of thousands and of hundreds with the rulers of the king's work offered willingly and gave for the service of the house of God of gold 5,000 talents and 10,000 drams and of silver 10,000 talents and of brass 18,000 talents and 100,000 talents of iron. And they with whom precious stones were found gave them to the treasure of the house of the Lord by the hand of Jehiel the Gershonite. Then the people rejoiced for that they offered willingly because with perfect heart they offered willingly to the Lord. And David the king also rejoiced with great joy. Wherefore David blessed the Lord before all the congregation. And David said, Blessed be thou, Lord God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Thine, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. For all that is in heaven and in earth is thine. Thine is the kingdom, O Lord. Thou art exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come of thee, and thou reignest over all. And in thy hand is power and might, and in thy hand it is to make great and to give strength unto all. Now therefore, our God, we thank thee and praise thy glorious name. But who am I, and what is my people? that we should be able to offer so willingly after this sort. For all things come of thee, and of thine own have we given thee. For we are strangers before thee, and sojourners, as were all our fathers. Our days on the earth are as a shadow, and there is none abiding. O Lord our God, all this store that we have prepared to build thee in house for thine holy name cometh of thine hand, and is all thine own. I know also, my God, that thou triest the heart, and hast pleasure in uprightness. As for me, in the uprightness of mine heart, I have willingly offered all these things. And now have I seen with joy thy people, which are present here, to offer willingly unto thee. O Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel, our fathers, keep this forever in the imagination of the thoughts of the heart of thy people and prepare their heart unto thee, and give unto Solomon my son a perfect heart to keep thy commandments, thy testimonies and thy statutes, and to do all these things, and to build the palace for the which I have made provision. And David said to all the congregation, Now bless the Lord your God. And all and all the congregation blessed the Lord God of their fathers and bowed down their heads and worshiped the Lord and the King. And they sacrificed sacrifices unto the Lord and offered burnt offerings unto the Lord. On the morrow after that day, even a thousand bullocks, a thousand rams and a thousand lambs with their drink offerings and sacrifices in abundance for all Israel. 
and did eat and drink before the Lord on that day with great gladness. And they made Solomon the son of David king the second time, and anointed him unto the, unto the Lord to be the chief governor, and Zadok to be priest. Then Solomon sat on the throne of the Lord as king instead of David his father, and prospered, and all Israel obeyed him. And all the princes and the mighty men and all the sons likewise of the king David submitted themselves unto Solomon the king. And the Lord magnified Solomon exceedingly in the sight of all Israel, and bestowed upon him such royal majesty as had not been on any king before him in Israel. Thus David the son of Jesse reigned over all Israel, and the time that he reigned over Israel was forty years. Seven years reigned he in Hebron, and thirty and three years reigned he in Jerusalem. And he died in a good old age, full of days, riches, and honor. And Solomon his son reigned in his stead. Now the acts of David the king, first and last. Behold, they are written in the book of Samuel the seer, and in the book of Nathan the prophet, and in the book of Gad the seer. With all his reign and his might, and the times that went over him, and over Israel, and over all the kingdoms of the country. Thus the chapter of David's life concludes. I'd like you to note that before it did, David was able to rejoice, because as we note in verse 9, David saw that with perfect heart they offered willingly to the Lord. I want to speak to you on this subject this morning. They offered willingly to the Lord. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. We pray that by your spirit you would give us understanding. Help me today as I preach your word. May it be done so in the power of the Holy Ghost and in truth. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you are new to our church or just visiting today for the first time, you will need to know that in recent days, uh, we have uh, purchased the property adjacent to ours, the Sandy Ridge Square Shopping Center. After much prayer and uh, preparation uh, as a church, we concluded that this is what God would have us to do. We did so because we believe that God is leading us to do so, and the growth of our ministry necessitates that we do so. Now that we have purchased the property, which we have owned since December of 2021, and through the processes of time that have elapsed since then, uh, we are now at the point where we believe it is time to move forward and begin construction in that house. As we prepare for that, we're encouraging everyone in our church family to do two things, to make a sacrificial gift, to give an offering, just as we read about in this chapter, and then also to make a commitment for a period of three years that we would give on a regular basis to this work of God that he is doing in our church. 
And so when we come to First Chronicles 29, we find great parallels between where we are as a church and where the nation of Israel was in David's final days. In these chapters in First Chronicles, we have noted that on three occasions, David has gathered the people. He has met with a group of leaders, and then a larger group, and now he is meeting with the nation. It's a celebration, the coronation of the king. But it is also a, a, an opportunity for worship, an opportunity for the people of God to give so that the house of the Lord can be constructed. And so we see in this chapter, in this final assembly that lasted two days, we see that the people of God bring their gifts and the, the son of David, Solomon, is anointed as king. And so what we do not see in this chapter, although David dies, we do not see the end of the kingdom, but what we do see is the continuation of the kingdom. And as we walk through this chapter, we're going to note a progression. I'm going to give it to you in four words. But first of all, we'll see an exhortation. David exhorts the people. Then secondly, we'll see participation. In response to David's exhortation, the people then participate and give in the offering for the construction of the house. Thirdly, as a result of the rejoicing and the joy that the people of God have and the king has, as a result of their giving, there is a supplication, a time of prayer and praise to God. And in that time of prayer, David acknowledges the rightful king. That's the Lord Jesus. And then finally, there is the last stage, and that is continuation. David dies, Solomon reigns, the house is built. Well, I want us to walk through this chapter together, and I'm praying that God by his Spirit would speak to us very clearly, very specifically, that he would speak to every one of us, every Christian, every church member, concerning the opportunity that lies before us. And so we'll take those four headings and look at this passage. First of all, if you will, then write down the word exhortation. Exhortation. In verse number one, the Bible says, Furthermore, David the king said unto all the congregation, Solomon, my son, whom alone God hath chosen, is yet young and tender, and the work is great. David wanted the people to know that Solomon was not David's choice. It was God's choice. And then he goes on to say, for the palace is not for man, but for the Lord God. Now, they're not building a, a place for a king, a, a, an earthly king to live. They're building what is uh, noted here as a palace, a house, a dwelling place for the Lord. That word palace literally means a citadel, a fortress. And we know that the Lord Jesus Christ said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. The presence of God's church represents a, a fortress, a citadel against the wickedness of this world and the, the, the resistance of Satan against the kingdom of God. 
In verse number two, David reminds them of his preparation. He says, now I have prepared with all my might for the house of my God, the gold for things to be made of gold, the silver for things of silver, the brass for things of brass, the iron for things of iron, the wood for things of wood. Onyx stones and stones to be set, glistering stones and of divers colors and all manner of precious stones and marble stones in abundance. David said, I have, I have given the last years of my life. I have, I have consumed my time, my energy and my passion with the construction of the house of the Lord. I have prepared with all of my might. I have given my all to the house of God. And then he listed several valuable things that were given. Gold and silver and brass and iron and wood and onyx stones, glistering stones of divers colors, all manner of precious stones. And I want to say this to you today, that there are all manner of precious stones in the house of God. Mined from the depths of sin, and depravity, once lost in the darkness, but now brought to the light, polished in the righteousness and the blood of Jesus Christ, and now we are able to shine for our King. What a glorious house this is. David said that this house must be exceeding magnificent. I want you to know that God's church is the most beautiful thing this world has ever seen. David loved the Lord and his house. Notice in verse 3, Moreover, because I have set my affection to the house of my God. There are many things that, 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 that seem to draw us and our affection. The Bible tells us that we are not to love the world nor the things that are in the world. The Bible tells us what those things are, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. Those are the things that oftentimes draw us away and cause us uh, to set our affections on things that do not profit. But David said, I have set my affection, I have tuned my heart to the house of my God. David took pleasure in, he delighted in the house of God, the gathering of God's people, the increase of God's kingdom. David loved it. And David gave to it. He says again in verse 3, I have of my own proper good of gold and silver, which I have given to the house of my God, beyond his work and his preparation as the leader of the nation. David said, I have given out of my own account, I have given things to the work of the house of the Lord. He lists those things in verses 4 and 5. David set an example for others to follow. David fulfills what we read in Matthew 6 and verse 19. The Word of God teaches us and instructs us. These are the words, by the way, of the Lord Jesus. And he said, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, 
and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. You see, because David had set his affection on the house of his God, because he loved the work of God, because he desired to see the glory of God, the expansion of God's kingdom, David gave of his treasures, his earthly treasures, he gave them, he invested them in the work of God, and he laid up for himself treasures in heaven. And by the way, those treasures are secure investments. Jesus said, the Son of God said to us, when you lay up for yourselves treasures uh, on this earth, you've, you, you, you have the, the awful risk of losing them, where moth and rust doth corrupt, where thieves break through and steal. But then he said, but when you lay up yourselves treasures in heaven, no moth can corrupt it, no thief can break through and steal. You cannot lose it. And so David encouraged others to give. Notice in verse 5, in the conclusion of the fifth verse, David asks a question in this exhortation. This is where he is going all along. He is inviting others to give. And who then is willing to consecrate his service this day unto the Lord? This isn't a compulsory offering. This isn't a required thing. Nobody was going to force them to do it. He just asked them a question, who is willing? The question for us as a church this morning is, are we willing to give? Are we willing to invest in the work of the Lord? In 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 7, the word of God says, every man according as he purposes in his heart, as he determines in his heart, so let him give not grudgingly or of necessity. For God loveth a cheerful giver. This doesn't mean that we should give only when we're feeling cheerful, by the way. But cheerfulness often comes when we act in obedience to God, not before it. Randy Alcorn exhorts us, don't wait until you feel like giving. It could be a long wait. Just give and let the joy follow. You see, Paul wrote to Timothy and he, he said, Timothy, you're going to be the pastor of the church of Ephesus. You need to teach the people the truths of God's word. And these, this is one of the truths that he admonished him to teach in 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 17. He said, charge them that are rich in this world. Now, you and I may not classify ourselves as rich. But the truth of the matter is, when it comes to wealth, we're wealthier than more than 90% of this world. Charge them that are rich in this world, that they be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches. There are those who would say, well, you know, this is what I've worked for. This is what I've done. I've, I've labored, and, and because of my hard work and ingenuity, this is what I have. And I'm not willing to part with it. He said, charge them that they be not high-minded. The truth is that all that we have has been given to us from God. If we have power... 
to earn wealth and obtain it. It is only because God has given us that power. And we're not to trust in uncertain riches, but we're to trust in the living God who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. Then he said this, that they do good. That they take those things that God has given them and they do good with them. That they be rich in good works, ready to distribute, ready to give, willing to communicate, laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come. We talk a lot about preparation for retirement or for vacation or for the kids' college fund, but here we're finding that we're to prepare for eternity and to lay up treasures in heaven. And so storing up treasures in heaven means that we give generously to kingdom causes with a promise that we will receive God's rewards when we do so. And when we make an investment in the work of God, supporting God's work, we're investing in eternal things. We're investing in the souls of men. Jesus valued that investment for us, didn't he? Jesus said, what shall a man profit if he gained the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? In other words, if you owned everything in this world and died and went to hell, what good would it do you? That describes for us the value of a human soul. Not just one, but all. And I want to say this to you, that when we invest in the work of God, we're investing in the souls of mankind. What an opportunity God has given to us to invest in the eternal. And so we see here an exhortation. David is encouraging the people to give. Well, then secondly, we see participation. In response to this exhortation, the people begin to give. And it began with the leaders. Look in verse number 9. Then the chief of the fathers and princes of the tribes of Israel and the captains of thousands and of hundreds with the rulers of the king's work offered willingly. The leaders set the example. They took the initiative and gave, verse 7, for the service of the house of God of gold, 5,000 talents and 10,000 drams, and then of silver, and then in brass, and then iron and precious stones. They gave an assortment of gifts. They gave according to what they had. They invested in the work of God. And as they gave, notice what happens in verse 9. Then the people rejoiced, for that they offered willingly, because with perfect heart, not out of reluctance, not grudgingly, they offered willingly to the Lord. And David the king, in his final days, rejoiced with great joy. I want you to know that our giving pleases God. It delights Him. The Bible says that the Lord loveth a cheerful giver. And as we find 
in the Word of God, our circumstances aren't always cheerful when we're giving or when we're encouraged to give. Would you go with me into the New Testament to the book of 2 Corinthians? We have an example of that given for us. Paul is writing to the Corinthian church, and he's writing concerning uh, the, the churches, or the churches, rather, of Macedonia. Second Corinthians chapter number 8. He uses them as an example to encourage the believers of Corinth to be faithful. The Word of God tells us here in verse number 1, Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed upon the churches of Macedonia. In other words, we want you to think about and reflect upon the grace of God that was bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. How that in great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded under the riches of their liberality. For to their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power they were willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. The Macedonian church was a church that Paul described as being in a great trial. People who were living in deep poverty. But yet, despite their circumstances, they had an abundance of joy. Because joy is not based on happenstance. Joy is based on truth. These people are saved and on their way to heaven and are partakers of an eternal inheritance that fadeth not away, eternal in the heavens, that God has prepared for all of us who love him. And they were so filled with gratitude that they took of what they had and gave to the Apostle Paul. They gave liberally, abundantly. Now, this really doesn't match their circumstance, does it? You see, giving isn't a luxury just for the rich or the wealthy. It's the privilege of the poor. The Macedonians refused to let difficult circumstances prevent their joy. The Macedonian Christians, they begged Paul, praying us, he said, with much entreaty. They begged Paul, said, let us give. We want to participate in this offering. That would lend us to believe that Paul perhaps said, wait a minute, you, you guys are in bad shape. You don't need to give. But yet they desired to give. They understood the privilege of giving and investing in eternity. And what motivated them? Look, if you would, please, in verse 6. For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. You see, our giving is a response to the grace of God and what he has given to us. And so the people of Israel gave, and they brought in abundance. And when David saw it, and the people saw it, they rejoiced. And that led to a third thing, and that is supplication. 
a time of praise and a time of prayer. Look, if you would, in verse 10. Wherefore David blessed the Lord before all the congregation. And David said, Blessed be thou, Lord God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Thine, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. For all that is in heaven and earth is thine. Thine is the kingdom, O Lord. What is David doing? He's giving praise to the king. David is about to die. His, Solomon is go- His son Solomon is going to be anointed king. But David acknowledges who the real king is. It's the Lord. I want to say this to you. As we go through the election season, we can't really wait for it to get kicked off, can we? We're just so excited about it, aren't we? The commercials and the tension and the news and the frustration of the whole process. Remember this. Our king is the Lord Jesus Christ. And he's on the throne. And this is what David acknowledged. Verse 12, both riches and honor come of thee, and thou reignest over all. And in thine hand is power and might, and in thy hand it is to make great and to give strength unto all. Now, therefore, our God, we thank thee and praise thy glorious name. David recognized he's just a part of the kingdom. He's just a servant of the king. You know, there are times when the most basic, fundamental things in our lives dawn on us again. Things that we ought to know. Things that we say we know. But life has a way of directing us and and distracting us and pulling us into so many directions. Do you know that the other day, this thought dawned on me. You're going to think I'm really intelligent. I have one job to do. Let's get as many people as I can to heaven. That's my job. That's your job. That's the job of the church. All these other things, some of them may be good. But much of the stuff that troubles us is meaningless. Much of the things that we occupy ourselves with really is meaningless. That's the chief task in front of us. Why build a building? Why have a ministry? Why have a Christian school? Why have a a Wednesday night King's Master's Club program? Why have a bus ministry? Why have a summer camp? Why have Wednesday night discipleship groups? Why, why would we do all these? Why print books and gospel tracts and hand them out to people? Why, why would we do all of this? For the king. For the advancement of the king's kingdom. And so in this prayer, there's praise to the king. In this prayer, there's a presentation to the king. David looking at this offering and praying, seeing the joy of the faces of the people is overcome. And he says, but who am I? And what is my people? That we should be able to offer so willingly after this sort. For all things come of thee and of thine own hand have we given thee. For we are strangers before thee and sojourners as were all our fathers, our days on the earth, are as a shadow, and there's none abiding. O Lord our God, 
all this store that we have prepared to build thee in house for thine holy name cometh of thine hand and is all thine own. David looked and he saw what the people brought and he was overcome. And then he acknowledged something, that everything they had brought was given to them by the one they brought it to. They brought it to God because they had received it from God. And David is overwhelmed by the opportunity that he has to participate in such an offering. And so he presents it to the Lord. The Bible says in Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse number 8, 18, But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth. I remember that commercial, the, the tired fellow going to the bakery in the morning and seeing himself leaving and saying it's time to make the donuts. You remember that one? And oftentimes life feels like a grind, doesn't it? But the very ability that God has given us to go to work and earn an income, we ought to be thankful for that. Everything that we have is because of the grace of God. The Bible says in Psalm 24 and verse number 1, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. And the prophet Haggai, representing the Lord, trying to stir the people and the reconstruction of the temple. He said, The silver is mine and the gold is mine, saith the Lord of hosts. The things that they were holding on to. He said, I want you to know where it came from. It came from me. This is what David acknowledged. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 6 and 19, What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you? If you know the Lord Jesus, then we need to understand that we have been bought with a price. He said, Ye have that temple of God, and ye are not your own. Ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. All that I am and all that I have has been given to me from the Lord. And now David says, I have an opportunity to give back portion. So this supplication involved praise to the king and a presentation to the king. And then there is a petition to the king in verse 17. He said, I know also, my God, that thou triest the heart and hast pleasure in uprightness. As for me, David is saying, in the uprightness of my heart, I have willingly offered all these things. And now have I seen with, with the joy of thy people, which are present here to offer willingly unto thee, O Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel, our fathers, Keep this forever in the imagination of the thoughts of the heart of thy people and prepare their heart unto thee. What is David saying? He's saying, don't let the next generation forget this. Keep this in their heart, that they would love you, Lord, that they would love your house. Notice in verse 19, and give unto Solomon my son a perfect heart to keep thy commandments, thy statutes, thy testimonies and to do all these things and build the palace for the which I have made provision. What happens in the local New Testament church? We preach and teach the statutes and the testimonies and the commandments of our God. 
We want our children to know them and live by them. The need is greater than ever before to do so. And so we see this progression, the exhortation of David, and then the participation of the people, and their supplication to the Lord, a prayer, and the time of praise, and then lastly, the continuation of the kingdom. Because of their investment, because of God's faithfulness, the death of David does not bring the kingdom to an end. Look in verse 21. And they sacrificed sacrifices unto the Lord and offered burnt offerings unto the Lord. They're entering in to a two-day uh, celebration, a time of worship, a time of fellowship among God's people. Verse 23 then Solomon sat on the throne of the Lord as king instead of David his father and prospered, and all Israel obeyed him. David saw his son anointed, and David saw his son reigning. David saw the plan moving forward. He was encouraged in his heart because he had prepared in his final days abundantly for the house of the Lord. And how gratifying it was to see it continue. It didn't stop with him. Many of us have been taught the truth of God's word. Someone came to us and gave us the gospel and we responded in faith. But what about the next generation? Would you agree the challenges of our young people are greater than the challenges that we faced as young people? The temptations the twisted, deranged philosophies of this world. The Bible said, Beware lest any man spoil you. That means to go in and carry you away. I want you to understand, the devil wants to carry this generation away and lead them astray into immorality and debauchery, into perversion and wickedness, to forsake God. But we have an opportunity to see the work of God continue. The Bible says in verse 28, And he, that is David, died in a good old age, full of days, riches, and honor. You know what David did? He invested in eternity. He laid up treasures in heaven. And he's enjoying the benefits of that today. You see, the people offered willingly to the Lord. There was an exhortation. Then that led to their participation. Have you prayed? Have you asked the Lord, Lord, what, what would you have me to do? What would you have me to do? I, how would you have me to participate in this offer? And then the supplication. To dedicate it to God's work. Pray for the coming generation. And then to build the house and do the work so that the generation to come has the same benefit and blessing that we've enjoyed.
they offered willingly to the Lord. Thank you for listening. We pray that God has used his word to speak to you today. If you'd like to learn more about Tabernacle, you can visit us online at tabernaclebaptistchurch.com. There, you'll find additional information about our church, opportunities to partner with us financially, as well as other resources that we hope can be a help to you. May God bless you, and thank you once again for listening.